Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Welcome to the house of the Lord. Bienvenidos todos sean. ¿Cómo están todos? Oh, my goodness. Did y'all not have breakfast? Why don't we stand up? ¿Por qué no nos ponemos de pie? How's everyone doing? Let's start again. ¿Cómo están todos? Bendecidos. We are blessed. I want to read, I want to start by uh, reading Psalm 92. Salmo 92, si ustedes me siguen, versículo 1 y 2, verses 1 and 2 and 4. And it says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Do you agree with that? Yes. To sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning. Your faithfulness in the evening. So all day, todo el día, proclamar las, uh, la fidelidad de Dios en la mañana hasta en el atardecer. Verse 4, versículo 4. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. Por lo que tú has hecho, Señor, me lleno de gozo. So this morning, esta mañana, I want to encourage you. Quiero animarlo. Forget about what happened a second ago. Olvídense de lo que pasó hace un segundo. Y vamos a exaltar a nuestro Señor. Let's exalt our Lord of Lords. Can we do that? ¿Podemos hacer eso? Yes. Let's do that because our God deserves it. Nuestro Rey lo merece. Today, we don't have drums, and it's okay. Hoy no tenemos batería, y está bien. Sometimes it is good to be out of a comfort zone. A veces es bueno salir, salirnos de nuestra conformidad, y vamos a usar lo que tenemos, and let's use what we have. It's about Him, right? Es sobre Él. Así que vamos a adorar a nuestro Señor. Let's praise and worship our Lord. Hallelujah. Let's do this. Lord, you are good. Señor, tú eres bueno. Y para siempre tu misericordia. And forever is your mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Sing it with me. Lord, you are good. Right now, right here. Lord, you are good and you must be and do it forever. Lord, you are good and you must be and do it forever. People from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation.
here I promise you she's already been raptured so <laughs> she's coming in oh there we go and miss it For those that know Miss Annie and Mr. Larry, this is their granddaughter, Michaela. Come on up, Michaela. And Annie and Annie and Larry are joining us this morning as well. All right. So, uh, for those that may or may not be aware, baptism is that moment when you take a knee before the Lord. Let me do this so you can see me. Is that moment when you take a knee before the Lord. It's that moment when you kneel down 
and you are saying, my old life is dead, buried, and gone. I desire to follow Jesus with all that I am. I submit and surrender my life to him. It's that moment when, when you declare that you have renounced the world, you have renounced Satan, you have renounced his ways, and you're now a follower of the true Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And so, uh, Michaela and I, we, we had a long conversation and talking about this. It's amazing to hear everything God's doing in her life. And this that moment that she wants to say publicly and declare publicly that Jesus is my Lord. I no longer follow the ways of the world, but I follow him in, in, in all that he is. So we're, we're going to do this baptism this morning. Can we celebrate this? All right, you ready? Yeah, you're going to walk up here. Let me turn this off. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't it a joyful moment? A momento gozoso de celebrar. It's a time to celebrate. It is so wonderful because, you know, in this world, in this broken world, the default is suffering and pain. But the power of God has breaking through that to bring us true joy and celebration. Amen. En, en este mundo eh, quebrantado hay dolor y hay sufrimiento, pero el Señor ha ro roto por medio de eso para traer gozo, para traer esperanza. And that's what we're celebrating today as we see this young lady confess before everybody that Jesus is her Lord. Amen. Praise God for that. I am so joyful to see that. Michaela, we bless you in Jesus' name and we bless your family in Jesus' name. Pueden tomar asiento. You can take seats. You see, um, I have a couple of announcements this morning before we continue. First of all, we want to welcome all our visitors. Queremos darle uh, la bienvenida a todos nuestros visitantes que están aquí esta mañana. Welcome to Calvary. Bienvenidos a este servicio combinado de inglés y español, where we uh, do English and Spanish. As you can see, I'm speaking two languages if you haven't gotten it by this time. Um, uh, este, uh, there's a, if you're a visitor, visiting for the first time, there's cards uh, in the chairs in front of you that you can fill out with your information, and you can drop them off at uh, one of the uh, uh, baskets when you uh, exit today. We'd definitely like to meet you uh, when we uh, leave uh, after the service. Queremos uh, conocer a nuestros visitantes después del servicio. Hay tarjetitas en las sillas para que llenen su información básica. We want to remind you that Ham, uh, the Ministry of Ham, is collecting peanut butter and jelly. Uh, el Ministerio de Ham está re, uh, recolectando, uh, how do you say peanut butter and jelly in Spanish? I don't know. <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. 
Everybody knows what that is, right? Estamos todavía recogiendo, recolectando mochilas, como pueden ver aquí enfrente. As you can see up here, we are still uh, uh, collecting backpacks for, uh, to give out to uh, kids who need them for this school year. Uh, so I uh, used to have some time to turn them in as soon as possible. Pueden uh, traerlos lo más pronto posible, ya que va a comenzar la escuela esta semana. Uh, there is going to be a fall lunch, lunch, lunch for the youth, the children uh, in Awana, September 13th. It's going to be great. We invite you to be here. There's going to be games, food, and fun. More information is coming. September 13th va a ser el, um, el comienzo de eh, la temporada del otoño para los ministerios de niños y de jóvenes. Con el Ministerio de Aguana, uh, vamos a tener juegos, comida, va a haber diversión. El pueblo de Dios sabe cómo divertirse, ¿verdad? Y vamos a tener un buen tiempo. Uh, also, I don't know if any of you have, know what wiffle ball is. Any of you know what wiffle ball is? No? It's a really cool, fun, fun game that, you know, they have a little league that's uh, uh, playing every Monday evening. And uh, Monday, August 7th is the championship at 6.30. So if you want to come support your team or, you know, just be careful. Uh, and uh, don't get hurt. But anyway, let's keep going from there. <laughs> Tuesdays at 6.30, todos los martes a las seis y media, tenemos oración, there's prayer. Uh, our brother Bill is one of the uh, brothers that leads that prayer, so um, we invite you to go ahead and join, uh, join our brothers and sisters who are praying for our community, praying for our church, praying for our families, praying for our government. Uh, prayer is very important. We need it. We need to go before the Father and, and stay connected to Him, so uh, we invite you to come on Tuesdays. Uh, Wednesday night service, los miércoles en la noche. Um, the youth is here at 6 p.m. They have games. Uh, they have, uh, you know, a fellowship before everything starts, but at 6.45 is when everything else starts, both for youth and adults, English and Spanish. En inglés y en español, a las 6.45, todos los miércoles los invitamos que no falten, que vengan a nutrirse de la palabra de Dios, a conectarse con el pueblo de Dios, to be fed with the word of God and to, to connect with the people of God. It's very necessary. How many of you know that we can't do, uh, we can't be disciples by ourselves? ¿Cuántos saben de que no podemos ser discípulos solos? We need each other. Nos necesitamos el uno al otro y por eso tenemos estas cosas para que se, se unan. That's why we have these things to, to get together. Sus ofrendas y sus diezmos, your offerings and your tithes, Pueden dar en línea, si desean. You can give online if you desire. Uh, but there's also envelopes in the front of your, the chairs, in the back of the chairs, I'm sorry. Uh, or you can ask one of the ushers also for you to donate your, 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 your tithes and your offerings. Um, si tiene alguna petición, if you have a petition, uh, a specific thing that you want to go ahead and have uh, even the pastors pray for, or uh, just us as a, as a ministry pray for you, there, there's also cards in front of you on the chairs where, that you can fill out with petitions. And again, if you don't want anyone else to know about it, just fold it, and the pastors will be the only ones who will be able to see it and, and pray for you. Um, Spanish ministry has a marriage uh, uh, class this coming Friday. Este viernes, el, ¿qué fecha es? El 14? 13. 13, este, uh, el Ministerio de Matrimonios de la, del Ministerio Hispano va a tener su reunión. It's going to be at one of the coolest houses in the, in the city. Can be my house. Va a ser en una de las casas más más bonitas de la ciudad, en mi casa. Este a las qué hora? 
at 7 o'clock. A las 7. I better find out what time it is before everyone comes. It's going to be at 7 o'clock. Uh, why don't we all stand? If you haven't said hello to somebody here, somebody new, somebody that you've never seen before, go and shake their hand, give them a hug. Vaya a saludar a alguien, denle un abrazo. Salúdelo. No se vaya a sentar a tomar una tacita de café. And welcome to Calvary.
I thank you for every life that is here this morning, Lord. We want to exalt your name, Father, and as we praise and we worship you, Father. Father, let this be a sweet aroma before your presence. Let this be a good, good smell before you, Father. A good perfume. Que esto sea una alabanza, una adoración con un perfume oloroso delante de tu presencia. And you will bring healing and freedom, Father, to those that need it. Y tú traigas sanidad y liberación a aquellos que lo necesitan. As we worship you, Lord. As we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we praise you, Father. You guys can have a seat for, for a second. Uh, 
Uh, let me see. Bridget, can you get the kiddos for us? Thank you. Uh, this is our time where we go to the Lord in prayer with the concerns we have, with the praises that we have for him. And it's an opportunity just to crawl up his lap and just have him love on us. So we're going to do that. But before we do that, we're going to do something uh, a little special this morning. First of all, let me thank you guys that have brought the backpacks back. God knows which kids get in each and every one of them. And so we thank you for being the hands and the feet and the supplier for these kids that, and families that are in unfortunate situations. So I'm going to ask you if you're getting ready to go back to school. I don't care whether it's homeschool. I don't care whether it's high school. I don't care whether it's elementary school. You're getting ready to go back to school. Would you please come forward? Come on, guys. I know these high school guys are sitting there going, I don't want to go up there. And again, I don't care if you're homeschooled or you're going to a school. If you're going to college, it's all right. So come on up. Now, if you're a teacher or if you work any place in a school doing anything, whether it's security, teaching, admin, whatever it is, would you please come forward? All right, here comes the bosses. These guys are coming in. These guys are, the ones that are coming in right now are not in school, but they will tell you they should be in school because they're that smart already. So when they get up here, if you guys will stand, just place your hands, push them out toward these guys and toward these backpacks that we're going to pray over. Gracious Heavenly Father, I give thanks that you are a sovereign God. And you work so many different ways and so many different lives to affect other lives, Father. So we give thanks that you bless the blessers. So we give thanks for those, Father. Now, I just pray for each child up here, each young adult up here each adult up here in this coming school semester. We pray for protection. We pray for guidance. We pray for those that will be mentoring to one another. We pray for those that will be protecting these kids and teaching these kids and loving on these kids. May they be your smile, your voice, your ear, your hand. Father, we give thanks that we live in a nation that we're free to come and thank you. So, Father, now I pray blessings over these backpacks, the items that are in them, and the children that will receive them, Father, that you would bless them and their families. May they in these backpacks see you. May each of these folks that are up here this morning see you at work during this next semester. We pray all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. You guys may be seated. Thank you so much. God bless you. I know you're all excited about going back to school. You can be seated. I want to close with one more, more prayer. 
I got to tell you, seeing some of these kids bring these backpacks in this morning, there was one of them. He's pulling a wagon full of them. Just so, so awesome. And to see that they understand giving to others uh, at a young age. So kudos to you parents uh, and to, again, to each of you that, uh, that gave. So if we could go back to the throne of grace, there's some uh, other things that I'd like to ask him for. As he has joined us in this building this morning, and we give thanks for that. So this is an opportunity also for you to just take any needs or any praises that you have and take them to him. Father God, again, thank you for being with us this morning. We love you, Father. We give thanks for the blessings that you bestowed upon us, the times that you have corrected us, the times that you have walked with us. We pray, Father God, for the trials and tribulations that many are going through. Father, we know that you have not abandoned them, so we ask that you continue to walk with them and hold them up, that they may see you at work and not ask why, but ask what, Father? What are you doing? And how can we help you do what you're doing so we can bring growth and glory to your kingdom? Father, we pray for those that are going through illness. We especially hold up Miss Annie this morning, Father, as she's about to go through some different treatments. We pray that your hand would be on her, on the doctors and the nurses. And we pray for complete and total healing, Father. We pray for others that are continuing to rehab for Sheila. We give thanks for the, the great strides that Brian has made in his healing, Father. So we hold up all those that continue to fight cancer, to fight heart disease, that are going through struggles, even if it's just a cold, Father. Let them know that you are with them. Father, we pray for those that are away from us today. We ask for travel mercies as they return. We give thanks for the travel mercies for those that have been away and that they have returned here, especially those kiddos that are going back away to college, Father. Continue to watch over and bless them and use them, Father. Father, we pray for those that protect us, both here and abroad, for those first responders, for those that while we sleep, protect this nation. We pray for our leaders, that you would draw them closer to you, Father. That they would hear that small, still voice as you guide them. We pray for your church, your church universal. We pray for your church here, Father. And for the leaders here, that thy will be done in this body of Christ. We hold up Pastor Zeke this morning that his words would be your words. That the meditation of our hearts as you speak to us individually and collectively as a body would be pleasing unto your sight. And finally, Father, we ask that you forgive us of our sins, for they are many, Father. So continue to watch over, guide us, direct us, and correct us, Father. We pray all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. The people of God were stuck. For centuries, they lived as slaves to terrifying taskmasters whose cruelty was only exceeded by their power. 
these dark days, God's people gave birth to children who would inherit nothing more than misery. Their strongest ally was a god whom they had assumed had forgotten them. Far from forgotten, the people of God were rescued by the might of his hand. He put their masters to open shame and led them into the wilderness. Though they were set free, they weren't yet living free. They started to live as slaves to their own sin. What happened next reverberates for over 3,000 years of history to this current day. Like a loving and patient father, God instructed his children, giving them the Ten Commandments. It's a little epic. Good morning. Good to see everyone this morning. Really glad you're here. I love First Sundays where we get to gather together as one unit, one faith family. And I was really encouraged to see a lot of visitors this morning. Thank you guys so much for being here. You picked a good day. We're starting a brand new series today called The Ten Commandments. I'm the youth pastor. I get the privilege of sharing with your, your, your young ones, 6th to 12th grade. And, um, and it's always an honor to get to share with you on a Sunday morning. I, I talked to one of our students this morning, and I said, hey, I'm going to ask you a question. To the best of your ability, can you name 10 beers? She's like, oh, yeah, Bud Light, Budweiser, Samuel Adams. And she started naming them off. She got to nine, to her credit. She's like, I just need one more. Uh, at least it's like Coors Light or something like that. I was like, hey, that's pretty good. You said those pretty fast. Can you name me Ten Commandments? She goes, well, there's a don't kill, right? Um, you know, something about your mom and dad, you know. <laughs> Obey them. I was like, honor them. Okay, yeah, honor them. Anyway, she got to five. I was like, okay, we got half. She said, what? She gave, she gave me one more. She got six. Not too bad. Interesting. She does not drink beer. She's not even old enough. She doesn't drink. But she can spat them off, right, uh, one right after the other. How familiar are we with the Ten Commandments? Now, we might be able to recite all Ten Commandments, but how familiar are you with why God gave these commandments to the people of God? Why do we call them the commandments when Moses never referred to them as commandments? Why are they referred to as the ten words? Which one's the first commandment? Is it, uh, I am the Lord your God who rescued you out of Egypt, or is it to not have any other gods before me? Do we actually know the commandments of God? You know what I find so interesting is you don't have to have grown up in the United States or in a, a country where uh, uh, Judeo-Christian values are part of the culture, it's interesting that no matter where you grew up, nobody appreciates you stealing their stuff. No one had to teach their kid, in order to get out of being in trouble, just lie. No father or mother sat their child on their lap and said, look, if you don't tell me the truth, I'm not going to know if you did it. No one had to teach you to be upset when someone takes the life of someone you care about. How do we know? How is it that every culture across the world understands the standards of God and holds people accountable to the, to the standards of God? 
I think it's another proof that God, is in, God does indeed exist. It is another proof that his word is true. He said, I will write my law upon their hearts. Whether you grew up in the United States or in the, the woods of Papua New Guinea, you know that lying is wrong. Your body will betray you when we bear false witness. Does that all of that passage means? Is, are these just a list of rules for those who claim faith? I think if that's the extent of what we understand about the Ten Commandments, we're missing a huge picture as to why God gave them. We'll be covering the history of purpose and application behind each commandment and clear up a lot of common misconceptions and misunderstandings regarding these ten words in Exodus 20. Maybe that's a good place to start. Moses never actually refers to them as the Ten Commandments. They're referred to as the Ten Words, a Hebrew expression that refers to these commandments in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Literally means ten words, which will make sense a little bit later. Whose words are these? You might be familiar with them. All ten of them are, there's, a, there's actually a variety of different lists of these ten words, ten commandments. Uh, and Pastor Mark's going to share a little, a little, a few of them when he covers our first one next week. Uh, the, these commandments are referred to as the Decalogue. A deca means ten, the Greek word for ten, and logos means word. These are the ten words that God gave the Israelites at Mount Sinai. And we'll see in this series that these ten words, these are the ten words that God wants all believers to follow, but to recognize a very important thing about each one of these. And I hope that we get to see that this morning. I think we're all pretty clear with some of the practical ones, like don't lie, don't steal, don't kill. But what about some of the other ones that we don't talk often about? What about the Sabbath? What does it mean to keep the Sabbath holy? Is that something that we are to observe today? Did the Sabbath change from Saturday to Sunday? Why is, why is the portion about Sabbath in Deuteronomy look different than the portion about Sabbath here in Exodus 20? What does it mean exactly for God to be jealous? What? God's jealous? Yeah. It's in these ten words we're going to read this morning. What does that mean? Can you be jealous? Is it allowed? To God, is there a difference between murder and killing? Like if you're on the battlefield. There's a whole movie called Hacksaw Ridge. The whole conflict in the movie is that he doesn't want to kill because it's against his religion. And he cites God. He says, no, it's against, against my faith in God to take the life of another person. Is he right? Does he have that commandment in full scope? Is there a difference between killing and murder? Does God rank some of these commandments above others? When we break these commandments, does God find one to be more offensive than the other? When the Bible says you are, if you are guilty of one portion of the law, I mean, if you break one portion of the law, you're guilty of the entire law. What does he mean by that? Is it possible to maintain a life in complete obedience to all commandments of God? Does taking the Lord's name in vain only mean to not use his name as a cuss word? When someone just says, ah, Jesus, as an expression of frustration, is that what it means to take the Lord's name in vain? Is that all that it means? 
The Bible says to honor your mother and your father, yes. Then how come Jesus says, I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother. And a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, Matthew 10, 35. What does all this mean? Are the commandments just a list of rules? I hope I piqued your interest. Because we're going to cover all of this. If you're a visitor today, I'm telling you, you came on a good day. But keep coming. This is going to get good. And we're going to go in deep. I think we're all going to have a well-rounded understanding as to why God gave us the commandments. But I think we need to do something first. We need to set the stage as to how all this took place. If you have your Bibles, please open with me to not Exodus 20. We're going to go back one chapter. Exodus chapter 19. Please turn with me over there. These questions, a whole lot more will be covered in the course of this series. The list of commandments, or these ten words, can be found in two places in God's Word. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. But let's set the stage here in Exodus 19. You know, what's interesting, until recently, these ten words used to be displayed in prominent areas throughout American history. It was commonplace to see the Ten Commandments in courtrooms, in schools, and even in some public libraries. But now, more and more of these monuments and these, uh, these reminders are being removed and even publicly destroyed. Saying these lists, these rules, the, the, this, these commandments are archaic and no longer uh, applicable to culture today. I firmly believe that a correlation exists between the time when our culture eliminated these words from public spaces and the subsequent decline that began to unfold shortly afterward. Let's make sure that these vital words of God are not removed from our own hearts nor from our lips. So to set the stage for when these words were given by God and why he gave them. We need to go to Exodus chapter 19. So look there with me beginning in verse number one. We're going to read this and break it down as we're going before we get to Exodus 20. Uh, This is Exodus chapter 19, verse number one. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites have left Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai, After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. What mountain? Mount Sinai. This would have been familiar ground to Moses. At this point, God had already rescued the people from Israel and rescued them away from the enslavement and the abuse of Pharaoh. Now, through the the ten plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, God demonstrated to the Pharaoh And all of the Israelites at this point say he really is who he says he is. The one true and only all-powerful God. You remember Pharaoh? He finally lets the Israelites go after the tenth plague, which killed his firstborn son. And then Pharaoh changed his mind, right? He gathered the armies and went after them all all the way to the Red Sea. And then they got destroyed by God. Now, God's people are here in Exodus 19, having having just witnessed all of this, having God conquer all the Egyptian gods, and showing once and for all there is only one God. They saw all this firsthand. 
it, it wasn't a story that was passed down from generation to generation. When they saw these things, it, it wasn't something that when, when, when they were reflecting on these, these things that God just did, it wasn't something they read in a history book. They saw God's mighty power as an eyewitness. This will be important to remember as we go through this series. So from the Red Sea, God leads them here to Mount Sinai, a familiar place for Moses. This is where God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. It was familiar ground for him, but not for Israel. Israel's time spent at Mount Sinai is pretty significant, especially to the rest of their story. When I was young in Sunday school, you know, they would tell this part about uh, Israel's history pretty quick. I mean, it sounded like they came to Mount Sinai, got the Ten Commandments, and then they started on the 40-year journey. I mean, that's not what happened at all. God had specific intentions of teaching his people his law. Why? Why was it so important to give them, give him, give them the rules? Is that what he was doing? Was it just giving the list of rules? Now that you're a part of this club, here are the things you can do, here are the things you're not supposed to do. Is that what he was doing? God has specific reasons of giving them his law. In fact, everything from Exodus 19 all the way through the end of the book and all the way through the next book of Leviticus and all the way up until Numbers, uh, I think chapter 10, all takes place here. At Mount Sinai. God had a lot to teach them. He has a lot to teach us. Now keep in mind, up until this point, the people of Israel have only seen God from a distance. They, they've only seen his power from a distance. And it was mighty power. Fearful power. But they haven't actually engaged and interacted with God like Moses has. Now, God is going to properly introduce himself, if you will, on an individual level. You know, when I was, uh, one of my first jobs, I worked at Cinemark. Cinemark 16 in Harlingen. I was uh, 16 years old, and um, one of my very first jobs, and it's a brand new theater that just opened up. And we had a, a new concept in this theater. It was, it was a restaurant called Studio Eats. It's a common thing now. But we were, the, we were one of the first prototypes. We're making burgers and sandwiches and pizzas, stuff like that. And it, it's opening day, and we're all a little nervous. And uh, Mr. Noyola, our manager, is also a little nervous. You ever work with someone like that? You know, you're looking to get some confidence from your leader, but you can see they're just as nervous as you are. And um, we're getting ready to open, and our kitchen door opens, Mr. Brady walks in. Now, this is before Facebook and Instagram so we can look up your boss and see what they're like at home. Okay, we, had, we never get to see Mr. Brady. He's the head honcho general manager of Cinemark 16, and he's always up in his office looking down. Mr. Brady opens the door. We're like, oh, Mr. Brady, what's going on? He goes, he, he goes, hi, guys, passes the kitchen, goes in the front where we're baking cookies. Otis Spunkmeyer cookies. I don't know if you guys know, familiar with that brand. It's the good stuff. The whole room smells like, like, like cookies. I hear him open up that little mini oven and starts pulling out some cookies. I'm like, hey, what's he doing? Comes back around to the kitchen and says, hey, guys, come have a cookie with me. I'm like, sure. And I don't know what we talked about, but it wasn't about work. 
tell us a little bit about himself. We got to know Mr. Brady. We got, I remember he told us his first name, but I don't <laughs> We just called him Mr. Brady. I don't remember. I remember we had just a sweet, sweet time with him. Almost as if to say, hey, I know I've been giving you guys a lot of instruction from a distance, but I want to, I want to come and talk to you myself. It gave us so much calm just to know that Mr. Brady was in our corner. This moment you're about to witness was kind of like that, except much more serious, and the implications were much, much higher, obviously. You got to see, there's a lot of comfort that came after this. This was going to be God's first real interaction with all of Israel, and it was a beautiful thing. Even though it was very serious, the gravity was immense. Look there, verse number three. God, uh, then Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourself have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Guys, this had to have been beautiful language on the part of the hearer. This is the, I'm not just in the room. Here's some cookies. How you doing? You guys doing okay? I rescued you from Egypt and I carry you like wings of you. Even though God just displayed how fearfully powerful he is, he is describing their being carried by him as gentle as a mother's eagle. This would have made sense to them. They would have seen this before. When an eaglet is learning to fly, the mother eagle flies under them and spreads out her wings to catch them. This would have been very comforting words for Israel, which is important because now he's about to get really serious with them. I love you, and I care you like, uh, like, a, like a mother does his eaglet. But what I'm about to tell you is extremely important. I need all of your attention is what he's going to tell these Israelites. So verse number five, he starts to switch gears. Now, if you obey me and fully keep my covenant with you, very important word. Then, out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. The guy that you saw, the God that you saw do all this stuff to Egypt, you will be my favored people. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. God is laying down this foundation, his covenant, which is a a spiritual contract, if you will, with his people who will eventually demonstrate his character and nature to everyone around them. I have a very important job for you. You are going to reflect my character and nature to the pagan nations that are around you. And you will be highly favored, my treasured possession. This covenant will eventually lead to, the, lead to the redemptive plan for all of mankind. This covenant proposed by God would give Israel an exalted position among the nations if they accepted it. If they accepted God's righteous standards, his covenant. Verse number seven. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. And the people all responded, We'll do everything he says. <laughs> I think, I think, I don't know what else they would have said, but at this point, they are not only comforted, but they also just saw his power. Like, yes, well, hey, he's the man. We'll follow him. 
So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Then Moses, I mean, then God says something really important. Verse number nine, don't miss this. The Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a dense cloud. Why? So that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in me. Why do you think God wanted to do that? Why do you think God wanted the people of Israel to literally hear his voice speaking to Moses? We were all kids before, right? I mean, you guys had brothers and sisters. Did you ever use mom said? All right, mom goes over to you and says, hey, go take out the trash. Hey, Isaac, mom said go take out the trash. Not lying. Mom did say those words. Go take out the trash. And so Isaac gets up. Let's take out the trash. Of course, you're looking through the, through the blinds. <laughs> Using mom's name in vain. I think it was vitally important. The people of God trusted the words of Moses. I think it's vitally important for you and I to understand there were millions of witnesses hearing the voice of God speak these things to Moses. I think it's important for us to understand this because it will increase the integrity of God's word. There was a lot at stake here, and so it was vitally important that Israel knew, the people of Israel knew that the proposal God was about to make was coming directly from him and not Moses' idea. So Israel accepts And that God tells them to enter into a time of purification. If it wasn't serious enough, he adds on to the gravity of this moment. And he tells them to do several things, to consecrate themselves for three days. I'm not going to read through the whole portion, but during this time of purification, it was pretty intense. Some of the things that we're supposed to do, they were supposed to ceremoniously cleanse themselves, uh, their bodies, even their clothes. And they were not allowed to even approach the mountain until they heard the sound of a loud trumpet. If they even touched the mountain before it was time, they would die. Even animals were to be put to death if they came onto the mountain the next, uh, come to the mountain before the next three days. Why so serious? The seriousness of these next three days would underscore the gravity significance of a very pivotal pivotal moment in the history of Israel, I would say the history of mankind. Verse 16. On the morning, the third day, they've done all this consecration. There was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Yeah, I would too. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Just imagine this for a moment. Picture the scene here. I think we, when we hear about the giving of the Ten Commandments, we, we have uh, maybe Mel Brooks' version of it. You know, he had the commandments, he dropped five, and now we got ten. It was a serious moment. You guys know what I'm talking about? These are a fifteen. Okay, all right. The kids are like, what? Fifteen? Um... It was, it was a serious moment. I would say it was a terrifying moment. 
You ever have your mom or your dad back in the day have a tone? No matter how sweet and loving they are, there is a tone when they gather your attention. Listen. The eyes go a little bit big. Listen to me right now. They don't even have to yell. This is serious. Imagine this for a moment. The sight of thunder, lightning, and a thick cloud coming over the mountain. And accompanied by, by a huge blast of a trumpet. Something that's not usual. That would have instilled this profound sense of awe and fear in the people. No less than you and me. They were witnessing a powerful and transcendent manifestation of God's presence. And it was, it was intense. The intensity of this natural phenomenon must have made him feel so small and insignificant in the presence of such divine majesty and supremacy. And he's saying, you belong to me. I love you. I carried you. The people would have felt compelled to consider this event with deep reverence and worship. Verse 18. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet blew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. You know, I think in many, many respects we've lost this terrifying reality of God. The picture that we have of the Lord is that he's, he's a loving God. He's also a just God. You know, I think many believe God to be all about love, joy, and pink fluffy bunnies. When I was a kid, I used to think that God was this old man in the clouds, you know, taking care of the clouds. You guys remember uh, Care Bears? Remember this old man with a broom? This guy? I used to think God was like him. Oh, this way. God was a sweet old man taking care of the clouds, just wanting, just wanting everybody to be kind to each other. I think God is due reverent fear. I think the due reverent fear of the Lord is somewhat lost today, but we need to regain that back. We live in a time that many people abuse God's patience and grace, and that ought never be the case with us. So to be sure his people started out knowing that he means business, he was very direct with the consequences of not responding to the gravity of this moment. Look what he says, verse 20. Lord, the Lord descended to the top of the Mount, Mount Sinai and said to call to Moses to the, mount, to the top of the mountain. And so Moses went up. And the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Didn't he already say all this? Yes, all through Scripture we do see that God is a God of order. So you better believe he's going to have order when giving them these, uh, these ten words in a crucially important moment for Israel. But he's still gracious, even though he was... He will, he will respond harshly to anyone who disregards the solemnness of this moment. He's still extending grace by giving them another warning. And Moses said, well, the people can't come up here. 
because you yourself have already warned us. So we put around the mountain and set, up, set it apart as a holy place. Evidently, there was already a barrier put in place because God had already warned them, just in case someone forgot. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through uh, to come up to the Lord. Or I will break out against them. Again, he warns them one last time. Verse number 25. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Chapter 20. Here we go. I'm going to read this straight through. And we're going to, we're going to close here in a little bit. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or, or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You should not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. What is he talking about there? But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the Lord's name. Your, sorry, the, the Lord, your God in vain, the name of the Lord, your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What does he mean by this? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, your God. In it, you shall not do, you should do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is, who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and, and hallowed it, made it holy. Honor your mother and your father that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord God is giving you. What is he saying there? Why was honoring your mother and your father so vital? Why does it have a promise along with its obedience? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Here's what I find so fascinating about the Ten Commandments. This is God's official introduction to his people. And so he gives him a list of rules. You see, that doesn't quite fit. You never walk up to somebody you've never met and say, Hi, I'm Zeke. Show up ten minutes early to anywhere you go. What? Oh, it's just a rule I live by. What's going on here? Why is he telling them these ten words as an introduction of, his, of who he is? You know what he's doing? He's saying, you are going to represent who I am. 
This is who I am. You're going to be a beacon of light to the nations around you, and I want you to reflect my light. We said from the beginning that this moment was God introducing himself. Through the course of the series, you will see that what God is doing, he is revealing his character and nature to his people and to you and me. Yes, these are the ten words of God, and he will hold the nation of Israel accountable to them, but he's also revealing his character and nature to them. You can look at the Ten Commandments like this, God's character in the Decalogue, no other God. Why? Because I am the only one and true God. I'm telling you what I'm like. I'm telling you who I am. There is no other God. No idols. How come? Because no image made by human hands can emulate who I am. You can't even imagine something else that could even come close to what I am. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You need to trust me even when you don't understand. Honor his name. How come? Because God's many names reveal his holiness and power. If you're going to bear his name, we need to bear his name with, with accuracy with, that's demonstrating who he is. Honor his appointed rest. Why? Because he will not rob you of rest. His burden is light, the Bible says. But he has things for us to do. Honor your parents. How come? Because the role of your parents will reflect his image. Think about this. It's the union of mom and dad that paint the image of what God is like to your children. Just as, God, just as dad is supposed to be a, prov- a provider, a protector, so is the Lord. Just as mom is naturally a caregiver, a nurturer, so is the Lord. Together, they paint the image of what God is like. That's why divorce hurts so much. To who? Mom and dad. No, to the kids. We're breaking the image of God. Well, you don't understand my situation. Hey, I get it. I'm just telling you there's a reason why it hurts so much. Don't murder. Why? Because he is the life giver. He is the giver of life. Don't violate the covenant of marriage. How come? Because he will never violate his covenant with you. Even when we are faithless, he is faithful. Don't steal. Why? Because he gives abundantly and he will never take from you to benefit himself. If we were to reflect his character and nature, it would be demonstrated in how we interact with the people around us. Don't lie. Why? Because he will never lie to you. His truth, he holds his truth above his very name. Don't covet. Why? Because he will never desire what you have for himself. Also, he is fully content. He's not looking at you and saying, ugh, there she goes. There he goes again, walking away from me. You know what? I'm going to start a new people on this new planet. No, you're it. He is fully content in you. Are you fully content in him? Guys, we haven't even scratched the surface of what each of these mean. And I hope that you will main, you'll, you'll stay the course. Let's get through each one of these. I really think it's going to captivate, the, the, captivate your heart in a beautiful way. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. I thank you, Lord, for each soul that's in this room. God, if there be anybody here that's apart from you, 
pray, God, that would be more important than understanding what these ten words mean. Father, there be anybody in here separated from you because we have violated these rules. I hate calling it that. If we observe these words as rules, we've already missed the bigger picture. But Lord, we do know it is to show us that we are in desperate need of a Savior. The consequences of breaking your law is separation from you, and you don't want that. So you made a way for us to not only be forgiven, but have a restored relationship with you. If there be anybody here that is separated from you, I pray, God, that they would not let another day go by. Father, be with us as we continue in this series. Be with Pastor Mark and Pastor Terry as they share with us what these ten words are to be for us in this world. We love you, Father. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for letting me share with you. As we um, prepare to take communion and consider the the words that Pastor Zeke was sharing with us from the Lord, the very next verse, right after those words were given, it says, The people saw the thunder and the flashes and peals of lightning. How many have seen thunder? This was a miracle beyond our natural senses. It says they saw the sound, not just heard. And yet the writer of Hebrews tells us, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of the trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. That's not what we've come to. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks better than the word of the blood of Abel. This miraculous moment that literally wed the Israelites to God in covenant relationship has been expanded to the whole world through the blood of Jesus that we could enter into that same covenant relationship, that we could be made new. So as we're coming before this table, in all of the, the, the majesty that we consider the Ten Commandments and what happened in that. Bring yourselves into that majesty that we're entering into Christ. As we do, let's prepare our hearts. Take a moment and bow your hearts before God. And consider those ways that God has reflected himself Ways that we are to image him, to reflect him. Let us bring them before the sprinkled blood of Jesus who washes us, who cleanses us, who brings us freedom, who makes us new, who offers us this covenant. 
Father, we thank you for your word that says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, may we in these few moments consider other ways in which we have made other things God instead of you. Other ways in which we have not reflected your image. Ways in which we have not borne the image of your name. Entered into the rest that you've given us. Not honored our parents. Destroyed the character of another human being. Taken that which hasn't belonged to us. Made ourselves look better at the cost of someone else. Ran after desiring what others have, whether it be things or relationships. Father, speak to us this morning that we can come into your grace and your mercy and be washed by your blood. We take a moment to confess those things to you, be cleansed before you. The very heart of Christ's death on the cross is the forgiveness, the severing of our sins, the complete removing of our sins as far as the east is from the west. Father, we come before you with thanksgiving. We come before you in gratitude, thanking you for what it is that you have given us. So together we declare the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is a right, good, proper, and joyful thing at all times and all places to give you thanks, Lord God. We join our voices right now with the angels, with the archangels, with all the company of heaven who forever sing this song of worship. Say this together with me. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the beginning, Lord, you created us for yourself. But even though we've fallen through our disobedience, our rebellion to sin and death, you, in your infinite mercy and grace and love, sent your only unique Son, our Savior, Jesus, the Messiah, to live among us as a man. Born of a virgin, and he suffered every hardship and adversity, every trial, every trouble, and tribulation and temptation that we face, except without sin. And finally, he stretched his arms out on the cross in perfect obedience to your will, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. On that very night, as he sat around the table, with his disciples, those he called friends. He took the bread and he lifted it to heaven 
in intimacy with his father, gave thanks. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who gives us bread from the earth. And he turned to his disciples and he broke that bread. He said, this is my body, broken for you. You hear the love and the affection? Broken for you. Whenever you get together, I want you to remember this. I want you to do this and remember me. When the supper was over, he reached over and took the cup. And again, in that moment of intimacy and prayer, thanksgiving with the Father, he lifted it to heaven. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth juice from the earth. And he talked to his disciples and he said, this cup, this is a new covenant. It's my blood. It's for the forgiveness of sins. He says, whenever you come together, I want you to take this cup. I want you to, to remember my blood that's spilled out for you, for the forgiveness of sins, for you and for all who come after. For as often, the Apostle Paul tells us this, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup right now in the present, you proclaim the Lord's death in the past until he comes, fusing all of history, all of uh, uh, humanity into the person of Jesus Christ. So right now, let's together proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. Lord, by the light and the power of the Holy Spirit, you are the giver of life in whom we live and move and have our being. Consecrate this table, this time of communion, and consecrate us, Lord, to your work. We ask this by the light and the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, our Messiah, who lives and reigns with you in your glory, Father. Amen. The Apostle Paul told the, told the Corinthians, I say to you, Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. Let us keep the feast. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ keep you to eternal life. And so uh, we'll, we have a communion table at either side. Um, as it is upon your heart, we're not going to dismiss. As it upon your heart, just freely come forward and line up on the sides, and uh, and you can partake in, in communion. So as as um. As you feel the Lord's leading you and guiding you and you want to participate in communion, you can just come and line up on either side and, uh, and participate in communion.
in the most holy and precious name of the Lord Jesus, our Messiah, because he is alive and he reigns with you in unity with the Holy Spirit. You are one God now and forever. Amen. Am I back on? Oh, yes, I am. So uh, before we dismiss, I want to say this. If you know someone, a child that is in need for school supplies, if you'll come see us as soon as a service is over, we want to bless you so that you can bless them. Uh, We're going to make sure that they're all distributed. Uh, I think school starts Tuesday, Wednesday, depending upon where you're going to school, but uh, pretty quick. So again, once again, thank you so much. Uh, for all that you do for his kingdom. So may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.